Anywho, any hello, hello, welcome back once again. Good to be back to Podpots Podcast episode. I'm checking. I need to check. What is that? Take a guess. What do, what do you think? 24. 24? Yeah. There's no way we've done 24 episodes. No, no, no. Of course we haven't done 24 episodes, Jordan. This is episode oh. 24. Sorry. Sorry, of course we've done 23 episodes. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you are. Am I right? Or am I right? You are, Louis, like, technically correct. 23 episodes, yeah. Have we done that many? I yeah, I'm it's actually interesting. We've done twenty-three. Um wow. in some ways that feels like a very high number. In others it feels quite low for how long we've been doing this for. But there was a period where we were just pumping them out, uh, as of course the loyal fans will remember. Absolutely. Yeah, back in season one, two, and three. Simpler times. What season are we in now? Is this season four? I don't know. Who knows? Season eight. Let's make it season eight. Because we've also got the lost episode to think so, which, which was oh, like, the lost like, episode. Four, like three seasons worth of material. But look, that episode is very, <laughs> very lost. That that is a that is that is like Atlantis deep dark, oh, the so depth good. of history and forgotten. Um, <laughs> I remember you talking about um, naming it. Do not ever edit. In episode. Like that. that was quite. It funny. was a. It was a. Yeah. Anyway, it's great to have everyone back with us. Yep, the on boys' this journey. The boys, they are probably going to wake up halfway through in much distress, but that's right. okay. We'll deal with it when it happens. We will, as a, as a um, mm. Well, obviously, Jordan, they have been very distressed recently because of the United States Supreme Court. So it's nice. perhaps very understandable that they. <laughs> that they are feeling as they That's are. That's a fucking insane segue. <laughs> uh, I, I, hey, I uh, said we were with it, but um, absolutely powerful. Happy to go with it. Powerful energy oh. segue. Yeah, so I'm just going to use the term recently so we don't time uh, stamp the episode. Big court in case. Between in between now and the last podcast. Well, was it a court? Is it a court case or is it a court, court ruling? Like... I don't really know how this uh, Well, it was a case that resulted in a ruling. Right. Um, but the older, the higher courts, so Supreme Court in the US and the high court in Australia, they're a bit funny in that they choose what cases they want to take on. So, like, okay. yes, it's a case, but not every case goes to them no. kind of thing. Tell us about it, Anthony. I'm sure the people are so excited to hear two men discuss abortion mm. law. Absolutely. Um, well, sorry, I'm eating my lunch, which is yeah. uh, pretty standard. Oh, uh, quick, quick lunch, uh, lunch chat. Um, so, for our loyal listeners, they would, of course, be familiar with the Supreme Court case of Roe Vincent Wade, um, which was uh, the United States Supreme Court, quote unquote, finding that there was a right to 
um, abortions in the United States Constitution, um, and I say right to abortions um, in a qualified sense in that the um, law that was challenged in the case of Roe v. Wade was, I think, 24 weeks or something like that. Um, so effectively, there was a right to abortion and they, quote-unquote, to use some of the judgment in this recent case, drew the line at viability. So basically, once a fetus becomes viable at 24 or 26 weeks or something like that, yeah, then right. the state can basically legislate and say um, whether people can have abortions or not. All right. So... Supreme Court case, Roe Vincent Wade, basically they've challenged some uh, legislation that outlawed abortion at a certain week period. Um, and the Supreme Court of the United States decides at that time that there is a, let's say, protection under the US Constitution that effectively allows for, um, well, that's not telling the truth, that means that states cannot legislate in relation to prohibiting or otherwise abortions up until um, what they termed at that time the kind of viability of the fetus, which I think was like 24 or 26 weeks or something like that. Right. So basically under the, um, under the US Constitution, states can't legislate either for or against people having abortions prior to 26 weeks. I see. And is this related to the whole, the right, like women's rights to privacy? Yeah. Like balancing that. Yeah, okay. Um, that's the 70s. And then immediately after the kind of pro-lifers have to challenge this fucking constantly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Then as I think. Uh, of, mm. I guess. Just, both yeah, political, but also like a grassroots uh, anti-abortion anti movement. Yeah, very much so. So then you've got, I think there was a case uh, in 1992 called like Casey Against Planned Parenthood, which broadly reaffirms the principles in Roe v. Wade and is kind of a, you know, the marker to reaffirm Roe v. Wade as quote-unquote, like, good precedent, so to speak. Righto. Um, but as always, uh, with the politicisation of the US Supreme Court, there is always a way to undo precedent. Mm. And um, the whole fear around Donald Trump's double appointment and Mitch McConnell's uh, massive stand against Obama appointing Merrick Garland was that now we've got a very conservative yeah. uh, United States Supreme Court and query whether being a conservative Supreme Court, they would overturn the arguably quite liberal judgment in um, Roe v. Wade. Which is, which is interesting that it's considered mm -hmm. because I know that... Um, so Harry Blackman. Now, I, one of my professors was an expert in abortion history in America, so I can at least comment slightly on this. Harry Blackman, 
he was the one who penned like Roe v. Wade, who penned the opinion, but it was like a, a relatively joint, you know, it's mm. not just one man makes the, the choice on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, he was a conservative judge. He he was quite a, you know, he was a pretty, you know, dedicated Christian. He wasn't necessarily pro-abortion. Um, and I think that comes through when you look at it via the right of privacy, which is a, something that I think, mm. you know, perhaps I would don't know if it necessarily fits as like a conservative talking point um in in america or, or globally but I, I don't know if you would necessarily classify it as like you know this is not women's right to choose or, or anything like that this is about kind of women's rights to privacy not necessarily mm. over their body which i think is a like such an interesting way to frame it so you know he apparently for for years was called the most hated man in america he received hundreds and hundreds of hate mail and, and packages every day. Um, yeah. People, you know, saying he was the devil, some people praying for him, some people writing him whole books, some people just like do it just, you know. Um, and he's quite an interesting figure because he said he read them all. Like he sat down and he would read every oh, yeah. single one because you know, I think it's fucking crazy. I don't know if I would do that. And like he definitely said like it definitely had its toll on him and like, you know, it, bummed him out that people hated him mm. or thought he was like bad or the devil or, or, you know, not a Christian or was somehow doing his job wrong. Um, yeah. Like sitting there and reading all of this hate mail. That's, that's, that's such a commitment to being like, well, I'm a public servant and these are the public who have written these letters to me. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway. So recently, so, okay, Roe v. Wade, we have the laws established. Abortion, it's something that's uh, allowed to happen in the United States. It's very complicated. It's very tricky. Um, protesters can get right up in your face in the U.S., but something that was protected federally. Yeah. That has changed recently. Yes. Yeah, so the whole, you know, conservative Supreme Court, Donald Trump's bench, they were yet another challenge from, I think it was a Mississippi law that said that you couldn't have abortions after 15 weeks. Right, think, wow. Something like that. And then that, you know, made it up to the Supreme Court and obviously they used it as a means of um, challenging Roe v. Wade effectively. Yeah. Um, so now we're in a situation where we've got, Let's say, well, the court's now conservative in a different way, whereas I think <laughs> obviously we're talking about a conservative judge who penned Roe v. Wade. I think yeah. that the the way that being conservative works has definitely changed over time um, yeah. in that now we have conservative in, in a different way being um, on the, on the yeah. Supreme Court. Absolutely. And um, as a result of this case, the... A 6-3 majority of all of the, you know, conservative judges against yep. all of the liberal judges. Um, penned by, we had Samuel, Samuel Alito, I think it's Samuel, Samuel Alito penning the, the main judgment. Right. And then um, Clarence Thomas, Brett Kavanaugh, Chief Justice Roberts all writing their own kind of additions to that. Yeah, and then a joint um, kind of minority judgment, 
basically weeping for the for women and minorities in the country. Mm. Um, effectively, the content of the majority judgment was that Roe v. Wade was bad law and that, you know, obviously, if we look at the history of the United States, obviously the Constitution doesn't protect abortion because, you know, abortion was outlawed. Part of Alito's judgment is that, you know, abortion was outlawed in three quarters of the states at the time. There was no indication that there was any kind of, you know, intention that abortion would be protected and all of this stuff that's like very easily or let's say obviously counteracted by a number of other things that have become constitutional rights over time that obviously yeah. weren't at the time but anyway separate issue machine guns for example but yeah and then to stop it all off the judgment was leaked yeah. like two months earlier or something, and I think very obviously by someone in um, Clarence Thomas's uh, sphere of people that he knew. Um, because he effectively is saying that other constitutional rights, like the right to same-sex marriage and the right to yeah. um, purchase contraceptive, are also... Um, Obviously not in the US Constitution. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's important to recognize like what this means. So like the actual mechanisms of this means that it's not necessarily that the federal government is banning abortion. It's just saying that the federal government offers no protection or guarantee for abortion, which of course in the United <laughs> States and as would actually probably happen in Australia and actually does happen in Australia as well, it goes to the states. Yeah. So if you live in California if you live in New York State, your your access to abortion is, is probably relatively safe. I was going to say relatively yeah, absolutely. Safe. It's always a, quite a, a hectic and traumatic experience for women or for whoever is kind of for going for it. Um, but many states, especially in the South and kind of Midwest, had these um, like bills ready to go that the moment yeah. this kind of law came through or eventually mm-hmm. would come through, it kicks in that abortion is you know, limited or made illegal or restrictions are in place, um, which is fucking insane. Yeah. Uh, right. So it's, it, it does remove abortion access to millions and millions and millions mm-hmm. of women, families, husbands and wives, partners, all of this stuff, these people are, people are, are worse off um, in terms of healthcare, in terms of access to medical services. Um, you know, there's there's already been so many kind of um, examples of, you know, I hear stories about women who are sitting in the abortion clinic um, and then, you know, the law passes and then, like, the receptionist or someone has to t- come out and tell them, oh, sorry, we, we can't do this anymore. And, like, these women are there are like, no, no, please, begging. They're trying to bribe the nurses. You have to help me. It's mm. fine. Um, oh, yeah. You know, story, you know, stories of, like, you know, how does that then classify miscarriages because the process to... The procedure to, you know, deal with a, a stillbirth or a miscarriage. Mm. Obviously an extremely upsetting and traumatic event for, for anyone. Is is classified as an abortion. So how does that work? Um, um I think there's a couple of stories about that of someone who had to carry their stillbirth for like two weeks or something just fucking abhorrent. Like literally evil. Like mm. I yeah. 
um, cases of, you know, what happens if, you know, uh, I think recently, and this, this one is very fucked up, recently in the United States, I believe a 10-year-old girl was sexually assaulted. Um, and because, you know, she was already going through puberty, um, she was pregnant. And then I think it was that the judge found because that she was able, like, viable to have a child and the child was, like, you know, able to, to live, she, she, she couldn't get access to an abortion. Um, um, so it's, it's, it's pretty messed up. Um, obviously, you know, we're here, two dudes in Australia. We recognize that this is a very, you know, touchy subject. And I, I think fairly, I think it's, it's a subject up, up for debate, but I, I don't think it's necessarily a subject up to debate, you know, women's access and rights to their bodies, um, women's to basic medical care. Um, look, you're a dad, you love being a dad, uh, but you also know how, how traumatic birth is, um, and pregnancy. Um, mm. And the idea of putting someone through that who does not want it is uh, not uh, not cool, not good. Oh, absolutely. Right, sorry. Yes, no, absolutely. Whole birth experience, fucking cooked. The thing is, on the other side, that it feels like, and I was having this conversation very recently with Simona about the whole situation, it's like it really almost trivialises how difficult and traumatic and, like, almost impossible actually reaching the decision to have an abortion is. Oh, man, yeah. And it's like it's all well and good to say, oh, you know, just, you know, go to a clinic, get it out, that's fine. But that doesn't, like, that fails on a fundamental and a complete level to understand, like, that's a massive fucking decision. It is. It's a massive fucking decision that is made by the person carrying the fetus. It's not to be made by anyone else because they have no fucking idea. Yeah. It's to be made by that woman who's carrying that baby at that time. And, like, for some reason, states feel compelled, some states feel compelled to have, have a say about whether or not that can happen. Which is just cooked. It is. It is cooked. It is. It's. It's just classic people trying to control women's bodies, other people's mm-hmm. bodies. It's. It's. Um. Yeah. And I think. I think just going back briefly, you kind of talked about how there is sort of a different type of conservative now. Um. And you're yeah. you're so spot on. Like conservatism, while always being, you know, I would argue a fundamentally reactionary and and bad vibes ideology um since 1973 uh has definitely changed um at least in re- especially in regards to uh, speaking about abortion because um there wasn't really an anti-abortion movement in the united states majorly until this ruling um now i know we're talking about the united states a lot we will talk about australia in just a moment but i think it shows how you know, it's been, God, how long ago it was 1973? Almost 50 years. Mm. Um, there's been a, both a, gra- a major grassroots movement, a church-based movement, huge political campaigning and lobbying to change this. Like, this is not necessarily something that you can just go, oh, it's, you know, Thomas and Canova. It's the Supreme Court that did this. Oh, it's Donald Trump. And yes, absolutely, they are 100% to blame. But... Um, 
And I think it, I think it scapegoats that there are huge communities globally in the United States, in Australia, that have a lot of access to political power, a lot of funding, who have been for decades and decades trying to take this right from women. There have been huge amounts of um, efforts to you know keep women out of the workplace, keep women out of education. You mentioned before access to contraception, gay marriages. I would argue like a, a related, but perhaps like a parallel issue. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. So like, it's not just our, it's not just like our lawmakers. It's not just lawmakers in general that do it. It's not just the politicians because there is a base that does this. So how do you combat that? Well, you combat that through education. You combat that through yeah. being a good person. But at the same time, that's not all. You need to actively combat it by being supporting, you know, pro-choice side. You need to support, you need to be, you know, actively vocal and saying, you know, women have a right to choose what they do with their own body. No one else. Um, mm be it the government, be it their husbands, um, which I know is, you know, controversial and, and sure, like, you know, if you're the partner, maybe it'd be nice to have a conversation. But as you mentioned, the other, end of the day, we don't have to fucking carry them. Mm. I don't have to have my organs move around in my body. I don't have to have my bones almost snap, part of me rip open to have something that's been growing inside me for nine months. And yes, that is a very descriptive way of describing the miracle of birth, uh, but it is also, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like people just people have babies and they just they never recover because it is such a massive, massive toll on the body. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it also just reflects that new conservatism, like anti-abortion, just became part of it. And um, whether they are successful for a long time, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Whether you like whether you can look back and go, Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have retired. You know, she knew she was old. She knew she was. Um... It's Ruth's fault, John. Ruth managed. <laughs> Let's blame the old Jewish lady. Um, you could look at Obama and just going like, you know, Obama could have maybe somehow tried to codify this. Biden even ran on trying to say, hey, we're going to try and codify abortion into. I don't know, I guess the Constitution as an amendment or something. I don't know how on earth they would ever do that, but they're trying to, they, hey, I think it's just a, it's a failure on both sides to, to protect women. Yeah. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And this is like, I think you made the point slightly earlier where it's like this is, you know, this is bigger than the Supreme Court, so to speak. And on many levels, you're absolutely right, because really it's like, if we're thinking about this super duper critically, I'm not saying that this should be the case or that this you know, is a reflection of, of the, the actual position that the United States Constitution could hold. But if we're looking at this super, 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 super critically and super literally about, you know, what the Constitution represents, like it probably didn't protect abortion, to be mm. honest. Like it probably didn't say that women have this right to an abortion in the same way that it doesn't say that every man, child, dog, and, you know, their sister once removed can have machine guns. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we're at a weird spot where states politically and on one level at the federal level, politically, people have this view that they want to 
control this stuff. And it's like, as, you know, as shit of a person as Brett Kavanaugh probably is, he did write quite a measured judgment in saying that, like, who who are seven unelected fucking randos, as learned as they may be, Mm. who are they to say whether or not the Constitution protects something as personal as abortion? They just haven't... They're trying to use an old document to impose old views on current issues. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Countries rewrite their constitutions all the time, but in America there's this sort of, I don't know, valorization. It's almost like a holy document, the the American constitution. Um, It's okay to rewrite. That has itself been changed, like, semi-recently, but we, we always leave that. How many amendments to the Constitution? Oh, so um, I think they're past. I feel like they're past twenty, but I have no basis on that. Let's write a new one, guys. It'll be cool. You can, you know, they do it in lots of countries around the world. We should do it. We need one here, probably. To be fuck honest. yeah, we do. Um, speaking of Australia, backwards. like Australia also has many issues with abortion. Now, in some ways, Australia has been kind of trending in a better direction than the United States. Mm. Um, so as of, oh, God, what, early this year, I'm going to say May. <laughs> I don't know the exact date. Oh, when we um, decriminalised it or? Yeah, officially fully decriminalised. I think finally. Um, abortion in Australia. Uh, the last place, of course, beautiful, beautiful uh, South Australia. Um, so South Australia had quite a, a tricky abortion law. And look, abortion is still quite hard to access. Not quite hard, but it is complicated, I should say, to access for many women across, across Australia, across the states. Um, so, like, South Australia had abortion for a long time, but it was a considered a medical procedure, right? So yeah. Yeah. doing that, doing a medical procedure is a crime uh, without a, a proper license. So this forced women to have to go into, so you might have to go into the hospital, have a doctor to, to do that, which might sound not too bad. Um, and I suppose in some ways just having access to it is is fine, but it, it brings a whole range of issues. One, about I think 60 to 70% of, of all abortions in Australia now are medical abortions. They are done with by taking some some pills. And there was a huge, um, and, this, and this will kind of be the future of kind of abortion rights in Australia, of access to different abortion drugs. Tony Abbott, of course, back in... Uh, when he was like, minister for women or at another point? I think this was actually when he was Minister for Health under Howard. Um, locked access for Australian women to access a new type of abortion drug. Oh, I wish I remembered the name of it. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, this is Jordan from the future. Just wanted to say that this drug was known as RU486, uh, and it became legal in Australia in 2012, 2013. And Tony Abbott did try and stop it coming into Australia as he had a veto, as was the law back in the day. The federal health minister had that power. And it was, uh, you know, that, and that's a big deal. Um, so the majority of, of abortions in Australia are taken, are done medically via taking some tablets. So you have to go into the hospital, I think twice, uh, and you need to have a doctor watch you as you take a tablet. Now, this one, inconvenience to women over their own body and in their own health. Two, for many women, you know, 
if you're caught in a domestic violence situation, perhaps your family doesn't support that, having to make it this whole kind of medical procedure um, and, and all of the documentation and, and everything that goes around this um, can be quite dangerous for women, especially if they're, mm. they're not comfortable at making their abortion as public. It also was really tricky during COVID. So when there were both lockdowns, oh, when there were COVID outbreaks, women had to go to a hospital to get an abortion. Um, now, uh, Abortion SA, oh, that's not the name of them. There are abortion groups in SA, uh, there are a couple of them, uh, did try and, and rally to have Grant Stevens uh, use an emergency measure to um, make it, you know, to decriminalise uh, abortion for a, while the emergency measures in South Australia were active. He yeah. didn't do this. Um, Grant. Grant Stevens. I know, look, I you know a lot of people. Dickhead. But uh, he's, look, pretty dog, honestly. Shit we almost that. liked him, John. We almost liked him for a period I don't, of I don't know two weeks him. during the COVID pandemic. I never liked him. I don't know. They're all just, they're all bureaucrats. And look, he's, look, he's a, he's a, he's a cop. Like, I don't know. Giving abortion, having, having a cop deal with abortion rights is not a good <laughs> sign, I think, for our, any kind of government uh, processes. Um, yeah. Like um, other places have, you know, and, you know, there's, um, was it 2018? Huge, huge movement in Queensland for anti-abortion access. Um, Western Australia introduced these buffer zone um, legislations. They were the, um, the last ones, like the most recent ones, so that, you know, people couldn't get up and harass women or pregnant people or whatever. Um, it's just, it's, it's still got a ways to go here in, in, in um, Australia in general. Yeah. Um, what's partly good about the South Australian system, for example, is it's a because it's health classified as like a medical thing. And now this has changed. I will say that this has been decriminalized and, and the change is coming. It means it's like public health thing. So mm. I don't know if it's necessarily covered by Medi Medicare, but I know it wasn't a, a very expensive thing. This is not the case in somewhere such as New South Wales um, or, or somewhere like uh, Queensland. I, I didn't realize that it was that different state to state. Like I knew that we were behind everyone else, but I didn't realize that they were also one. A uh, majority of abortions are performed Medicare. in private clinics, um, not in the public system. Oh, yeah, right. So, you know, that costs money. Um, mm -hmm. Where are these private clinics located? Let me tell you, they're not located in rural Queensland. Um, right. They're not located in, in, well, actually, the Northern Territory, I think, is, is a bit similar to South Australia. But you know what I mean. Like rural women, rural people uh, mm -hmm. get really kind of screwed over. Um, they do everywhere, but I'm saying. Yeah, but I do think there is change. I think in Tassie, so in Tasmania, they closed the abortion clinics, uh, the private abortion clinics, sorry, um, mm. in 2018, 2019. Um, and uh, I think that by, they, they kind of did a slow shift towards having public hospitals be the ones that provide abortions, which again, kind of comes to the South Australian issue of, you know, are these medical procedures, how does this impact women and their kind, kind of access to these services but at the same time how do women pay for this so still got a long way to go it is not wide i wouldn't argue that abortion is widely accessible um, or widely available for women in australia however it is better than the united states which um <laughs> which is slowly becoming just meaningless 
it is it is becoming less it matters less and less like maybe we need to stop looking so much at the united states and go okay what are they doing in the uk what are they doing in canada what are they doing in new zealand what are they doing in i don't know other countries japan um i think i i yeah well they're murdering their previous prime ministers in japan jordan so oh, that was crazy that was he shinzo abe my god it's fucking oh, footage of it it's cooked that was crazy like so when anthony and i were doing our degree shinzo abe prime minister oh, yeah. big dude guy who kind of came up this is a this is a very this is a tangent we've we've transitioned uh shinzo well, abe. To your favorite country jordan is japan your favorite country well, it's the one that you tell people is your favourite country outside of private circles. Ah, oh, yeah, okay. Look, Japan, it's a beautiful country. People, very friendly. Government, not a fan, really. Uh, kind of messed up their economies. They do a lot of trains. I support that. A lot of public transport and trains. Big fan of that. So good. Monorails, um, perfect. I know, they're, 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 they're the bullet trains. They do have monorails, though. I miss the Sydney monorail, man. Shout out to the Sydney monorail. Um, I may have been the only person to ever to ever ride it, uh, but absolute rip to a real one. Pour one out for the homies. Um, so yeah, Shinzo Abe assassinated uh, by a homemade shotgun. Um, details are still pretty scarce, um, which is surprising. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't yesterday. It's been a little bit of time since then. Right. So I have not followed it super closely. From what I understand, the man who shot him was okay. Japanese <laughs> Japanese politics is very weird. Japan has basically been under one party rule. Well actually they've been under one party rule for a long time. But since World War II, basically one party has dominated the country, the Liberal Democratic Party. Um, politics in Japan doesn't really happen with voters. It happens internally within that party. Shinzo Abe, big dude, hardcore Japanese nationalist, um, really interesting figure, conservative, terrible economist. Um, like, Arbonomics, not good, not, not great. Anyway, there's a reason no young people in Japan fucking vote. Um, Abe had a connection to this weird church, the Unification Church, which I think... Is like an offshoot of this other culty church. I don't know. Anyway, he was killed not for political reasons. So when, you know, this is happening, uh, there was, there's a lot of different people in Japan. Yakuza have executed politicians before, um, which would have been, you know, that would have been spicy. Mm. Uh, many Japanese politicians have been killed either by ultra-nationalists or communists. There are a lot of both in Japan. Um... But the one I didn't consider, and the one actually that does make sense in Japan, uh, killed in relation to a cult. So the man who shot him, when he shot, he said he disagreed with Shinzo Abe and he wanted to make that known. And brother, you did. Um, it seems that Shinzo Abe had endorsed pretty, pretty large, loudly and largely this uh, church. Unification Church, I believe it was called, um, who the shooter's mother had then donated all of her life savings to and then, like, lost it. It had been taken. So then the son, blaming Abe, mm. not necessarily the church, but, you know, I That's guess he, 
he could get Abe. Uh, made a homemade gun. He had. I don't know if you've seen the gun. Um, no, I I literally only saw the I don't know like twenty seven twenty second clip of it happening in the posts about it, and was like, I didn't realize that these still happened in like <laughs> you know let's say developed society, i.e. Japan. I mean, look, last year we had the the president of Haiti get gunned down. See, but that I can like, you know, with the greatest the greatest of respect to the nation of Haiti. That's right. That's if I'm it. comparing Haiti to Japan, I feel like I would consider it more likely to happen there. You know what? Japan get Japan is very good PR because the, I think the that's last great PR. The last politician in Japan to be murdered, like assassinated, was like 2007. Um, oh, that's pretty recent. That's pretty See, recent. Now I, I sound really unlearned now. No, I mean, no, look, Haiti has had a, a rotating roster of <laughs> people, all of them backed by the US. Um, but yeah, super interesting. I never would have picked the cult angle, but uh, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Hey, you made a homemade gun because access to firearms is it's very restrictive in Japan. Um, seems he made it on the internet. It was mostly pipes, duct tape, some blasting caps. They found explosives in his home. Um, double barrel, you just kind of... Abe was out doing a political rally for Kashima, who is his, like... Protégé. Yeah, who's the guy kind of currently running Japan because there's an election in, like, like soon. Um, guy just walked up to him, watched him do his little speech. Went up behind him, bang, bang, two shots right to the back. Two shots. Bang, he's down. Yeah. Um, Were any of them from the grassy knoll, Jordan, or we definitely yeah, maybe. Did it. Like a sniper rifle. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just a weird thing. I think the fact that it was so unexpected like it's Abe like mm. he's not the prime minister anymore I think shocked a lot of people I think the fact that it happened in Japan and it was just super not like a t- big terrorist thing like I don't think anyone had any mm. idea and it's relation to the unification church which is linked to this kind of cult called the Moonies um I don't the Moonies but you know are, they, about them? are they balloonas Jordan or is this no oh god yeah those balloon people the lunarists the people who believe the moon is a balloon I forgot about them no uh, the Moonies, I think, are named after, like, Joseph Moon or someone like that. They're kind of this weird, culty Christian church. Yeah. Maybe you know what, I should, I'll, I'll do some reading. Next episode, we're going to have a Mooney episode, okay? Amazing. I'll find out. The Moonies. Um, from what I know, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. I wonder who's going to go next. I don't know. One of the political leaders left. I know. Well, look, like... I mean, Biden has COVID. Yeah, fucking everyone's got COVID. Nicola's got COVID. It's all, it's all turned to shit. Whatever you got to say about Trump. It was the, it was, it was a the the day he got COVID and he released those fucking videos. Do you remember them? He released those videos from like the military hospital and oh, Trump, oh, edited. It's insane. And then when he's standing out the front and he's just fighting for his life, breathing. Oh. I remember. But we had a great episode on that, I reckon. It probably they're all great. They're good. Um, true, true. Say what you want about Trump. Entertaining when he had COVID. Anything I, at all. 
Oh, fuck, watching... the, um, the outtake, outtakes from his 7 January speech came out. It's just... Uh... Oh. No, I'm, I'm not willing to say that the election's over. The election's not over. I'm not saying that. Bro, he's got to go for it again. I'm so convinced he, he still has huge, huge rallies. People in, across America... And Biden's popularity has dropped huge amounts. No one likes Biden. I, I think that's because like yeah. it doesn't really feel like anything's happened. Like he promised a lot and nothing's happened. And partly that is probably Biden's fault, but also partly it's just the state of the world. <laughs> the entire US system. Like, you know, not really Biden's fault that there's a glo- there's global inflation after a global pandemic and, and a Russian invasion of the Ukraine. Um well, maybe maybe that last one, Biden could have yeah. done something a bit better, but it's 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 a rough gig, and also no one likes Kamala. Um, yeah, I feel like I've I've literally not heard her name. Like Mike Pence, Mike Pence, he was popular. He was around and about, partly just to cover for Trump. Uh, <laughs> Kamala, I don't know yeah, where she is, that. what she's doing. Every once in a while, I see a little transcript of her talking at an interview, and she doesn't make sense. And I, I don't know. She must be having her fingers crossed COVID takes him out because she'll get like a few months as president then. Um, oh, man. Yeah, exactly. She's so forgettable that I think when we went through our, like, Biden and his um, <laughs> VP nominee, I totally said the wrong name. <laughs> there were quite a um, Yeah. Speaking of election. Nice segue. Well, kind of speaking of election. Speaking of Ooh. politics. We just before we get there, Jordan. I think our, our resident Australian political experts have just woken up from their nap, so we'll have some very valuable contributions from them. They're screaming about the uh, the green wave. They're, they're snotty. They're 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 crying. They just sound like a regular politician. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! They are representatives of the people. That's for sure. All right. Go on, Jordan. Tell us about the Australian May 2022 election. So Australia had a very, uh, I want to say crazy and insane government, but it really wasn't. Australia had a pretty useless, barely held together government by the Liberal Party, run by uh, Mr. Yeah. Scott Morrison, a man a man who, who, who believed he was a political electoral genius uh he was not this anthony he was not this Um, he he probably the most scandal ridden government in a long time and like i grew up in the the rudd gillard abbott like i don't know we we look he he made a full term technically he made a full because he changed the rules john he changed the rules he still lost He, he, he he made a full term for like a day like it's we well, I love our rotating system. Anyway, can't wait for Plibersec to roll out in a year and a half or something. Um, That'd be fucking iconic. Yeah, Albo Labour National Party Conference. Okay, Plibersec rolls Albo wins next election with a in coalition with the Greens. Albo then backstabs Plibersec. <laughs> And gets smashed by and in 2028. 
um classic oh it's gonna it never ends every, first time uh, every ends. like you know history the first time is tragedy the second time is farce it, you can't escape it oh absolutely absolutely but the liberal party did lose and they lost pretty significantly they lost dozens of dozens of seats you know what let's actually get some statistics up because we yeah bring them up, up the statistics let's chat about how good it was um, the interesting thing, well, I, I was blessed to be able to watch um, Anthony Green's coverage. Oh, it was a good one. one. It was a good one. It was, it was fantastic. And it was very reasonable. He didn't want to call Josh Frydenberg's loss until right at the end. Yes, Harry. What? Yes, Harry. Yeah, Josh Frydenberg lost. Can you say he lost to a teal independent? Did can you say you, Josh Frydenberg? (laughs) Not say that, Harry. I don't want to be that uncle that teaches him swear words. No, dear, we don't want that. Um, So the Libs had a barely functioning minority um, before. They did. Like, it's important to like we kind of see the last nine years of. Liberal government, as in very different stages, right? Have oh, it's been nine years. That's how they read governments for so bloody long. There's like three governments in one, right? And it's such a transition to the previous Liberal government of Howard, who was nine years of just, just Howard. Yeah, um, just the moment he suggested someone else take over, gone. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and now, but. Now it would be weird for me to. Now the idea of having a prime minister, the same prime minister for nine years, is weird. Like I can't. That's weird. Nine years. It's too long. Mate, you got to get It's just too long. Every few years I need the endorphins and the serotonin hit of my prime minister being ousted. Um, Yeah. Uh, Liberals, pretty shoddy handling of the um, pandemic in terms of federal. Um, Vaccines, not great. A lot of power given over to the states. and a lot of lib- pretty hard liberal losses beforehand. Um, the Tasmanian election, the Libs actually had had won, um, but the Libs lost so badly, ridiculously badly in in Western Australia. Um, and then, of course, the South Australian election, where a moderate government, um, very also a scandal and barely holding together uh, part government, uh, lost very very handily to Labor. Yes, they did, Oliver. Peter Malinowski. Peter Malinowski. The Chad. Um, Chad Malinowski. Anyway. People probably know all about this. Won't go too much into it. Anyway, election comes around. Anthony Albanese, he's running a pretty decent-ish campaign. It's nothing really amazing. Like, I don't think... Unremarkable, Albert. I don't know if it was necessarily unremarkable. He did did win, but it was, uh, you know, it's... It is what it is. Um, well, as um, Simon Birmingham was making some interesting comments on the Anthony Green ABC coverage of the election as probably the last remaining reasonable member of the Liberal Party, but he was saying that um, Labor probably didn't get um, more than 30% of the popular vote. Oh, absolutely. No, um, this is not an hmm. amazing election for Labor. This is an election... This was a climate change election. The 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 teal wave slipping through, multiple seats going to teal independents. Um, Greens picking up three seats in Brisbane in the lower house. Greens picking oh, up an, more Senate seats everywhere. Um, this was a massive um, climate election. The, the Greens are probably the strongest that they've ever been. Teal independents 
Um, already we can see that, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the Labour Party to change their pretty paltry 43% uh, reduction mm. in carbon emissions by 2030 or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially when we consider that that number, 43%, is really only about 20 because they count 43% from 2005 or whenever. From like Kyoto right. Protocols or, or whatever it's called. Um, so, you know, we, we got to boost it. Uh, 75%, well, let's just try 100%, I reckon, but 75% might be reasonable. Absolutely. Liberals sitting at 58 seats. They are not going to form government for a long time. Uh, no. they, 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 they are not going to be the leading party for a while. Uh, Labour on 70%. Although, although, Jordan, under the leadership of Peter the Potato Dutton, who knows? Okay. I'm going to, you know, I want to talk about the future of the Liberal Party in a second. Uh, 77 seats to Labour, DALP. 76, of course, is the majority, is, is, is yeah. to win. Uh, not an amazing turnout for Labour, but it is a W, right? It is a win, and a win is a win. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those annoying just enough turnouts for Labour, though. Uh, I mean, look, you can... In that if... If they needed to form a minority government with the Greens, you kind of query whether more could be accomplished. Well, yeah, and it looks it when you look at MPs, looks good for Labor. Uh, then you look at mm, there are mm. thirty two uh, Liberal and National like coalition seats uh, in the Senate. Mm. Labor only has twenty six. Greens have twelve. Um, that is that is that is where Labor is going to have to you know need to negotiate for supply because what do you know? mm. uh, yeah, which is really Ford good it has its two seats. Jackie Lambie picked up another seat. Uh, I think UAP got one, um, and then you have David Pocock, who is like an ex. I think he's a rugby player from the ACT. Oh yeah. Um, so it wasn't a, like obviously feels so good to watch the Libs lose. Um, Labor's results, not that impressive. And I would argue that that is just because of their, their really weak policies. They, Labor, like yeah. Labor, could have, Labor really could have gone hard, especially on climate policies. Looking at, you know, Monica Ryan taking out Josh Frydenberg, the treasurer. Do you know how satisfying that was? Uh, they, 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 just, they, just, they just didn't really do much. Anyway, now... It might be good to talk about the Labour Party, but the Labour Party is is fine for a while. Like, Albo will be Prime Minister for a good amount of time. He'll be able to do whatever he wants to do for a while, um, which doesn't really appear to be much. He is going to have to deal with the Greens, who are a proper, th proper, proper parliament. Yeah, yeah. Like, proper third party. It's very exciting. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Like, they're, they're yeah. Um. And with all these independents in the crossbench, um, it will be a, it will be tricky. Um, but he's all right. The Labour Party will be fine. I made the joke about Plibersec, but I don't think anyone would make a move for for quite a while yet. Um, no, this won't happen. This look that's something for twenty twenty three to look forward to, perhaps. Yes, um, I'll make it through the year. Sure. And the Greens don't really have that kind of factional fighting because the state branches are all so independent and weird of each other that they kind of are already just so weirdly factional but also because it's all you know queensland honestly i'm proud of them <laughs> it's a mess it's a massive fuck you it's 
very excited. It's the Red North, baby. Quite, green. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to talk about the Liberal Party because the Liberal Party... Please do. They're the losers, right? But at the same time, the Liberal Party is the most big L. They're the most electorally successful party in in the in in Australian history. Mm. The Liberals will will always be around. Whatever future happens in Australian parliamentary politics, the Liberals will always be either used looked at as a reference or as you know something because they've gone through so many different versions of themselves. But what is happening to the Liberals was set up twenty years ago. Okay, John Howard, Prime Minister. Um, what a man. Man with the eyebrows. Man with the eyebrows. Um, so John Howard, like, okay. We're going back further. 1940s. A young, handsome man, <laughs> Menzies, forms the Liberal Party. Yay! I retract the young, handsome man part. Um, Menzies formed the Liberal Party due to electoral failures of a previous party called the United Australia Party. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, no relation uh, bar the actual, you know, Palmer's UAP bringing back the party as to, to reference it. Um, Menzies sees, you know, them, the UAP being too ideologically committed, he argues maybe too conservative, and he goes, a winning party is a broad church of kind of conservative party, of like the right. It needs the moderates, it needs the right wing. Makes the Liberal Party very successful. Longest serving prime minister. We all know the Liberal Party is successful. Anywho, but when you have multiple ideologies within one kind of big church, as within the Labour Party, but with their official factions and everything, what? the Liberal Party had a couple of different wings. It has a moderate, had a moderate wing. It had a conservative wing. I mean, in the 90s, obviously you had Malcolm Fraser. Uh, not in the 90s, sorry. <laughs> Malcolm Fraser takes over as a PM. He's seen as a moderate. You have the Hawke-Keating years. How and Howard comes in, Howard effectively ends the factional warfare in the Liberals. He is a conservative. What a man. He takes over the party, and it is, a, it is a clear conservative party. It's a party with moderates in it, but the moderates aren't in power. This is very successful to him. Peter Costello, there's never, never really a challenge to him. Peter Costello effectively waits his turn to have a go at PM. Uh, it does not work. <laughs> to have a go. <laughs> your, it's, it's your turn now, Peter. It, it, Literally, literally that. Howard was done. He was like, you can have my sloppy seconds. And then no one wanted, of course, no one wanted Peter Costello. Um, look, he's probably happier running Channel 9 or whatever he does now. Um, <laughs> yeah, just as Frydenberg's happier at Goldman Sachs. Oh, God. I saw that. Yeah. Is that where he is now? Yeah, I think so. Oh. As some advisor, as all old politicians are. Anyway, anyway, let's not, let's, let me just, let's not rage over that, you know, <laughs> ever happens to these awful people uh, besides, you know, five minutes of humiliation. Uh, the humiliation is sweet, though. So sweet. Um, it's very sweet. How it takes over the party. Conservative party. The moderates are kind of slowly, slowly choked out. And this happens during an era, during the 2000s, where a new younger generation, so no, like Gen X is over, Generation 
uh, Y or millennials as they're now called or whatever, start coming up. They're more progressive than their parents. They have different values on certain things, specifically you know, climate change is, is a growing thing. And basically since the 2000s, uh, 2008, liberal party votes have election elections dropped. <laughs> Sorry, Oliver loves the fact that the liberal party voters dropped. Well, for young people. <laughs> well, which is well, he's the only person. <laughs> which um, you know, is fine to for the next election or the next two or the next three, but um, mm. really starts to to get in trouble twenty years later, right? Mm-hmm. When you go, huh? All those eighteen year olds in twenty two thousand are now voters, and their kids are now voting. Uh, we're in trouble here, anyway. So for some reason, liberals go, let's double down. The moderates are the, the issue. Classic. And this was what we were talking about either just after or just before the election. was about the liberals finally having, you know, moderate candidates for re-election. And now the conservatives can blame the moderates for losing, yeah. even though it was their fault. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's 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 interesting case. You know, you have Tony Abbott back in the day, a man who was, you know, a, a clear conservative. You know, he had a conservative vision for how the country was to be run, how the government was to be. He is replaced by what might be the last moderate uh, PM from the Liberal Party we'll ever have, which was Malcolm Turnbull, or we'll have for a long time. Uh, R.I.P. Malcolm. What a weird figure you are. Um, yeah, doesn't go well for him. And then we get Scott Morrison. Now, Scott Morrison was meant to be the caretaker, right? He was not meant to win that election. No one thought he would. Um, now, describing that election necessarily as a win is, is a bit interesting. There was barely any change in the seats. He didn't gain a majority. He didn't strengthen his party. He just fucking held on. But you could tell that Morrison was not necessary. He was prepared to be an opposition leader, right? Because Morrison might be the first prime minister I can remember that had no vision. He didn't have a vision for what Australia is. He had an idea of what an Australian is and, and kind of how to use that for an election. You know, his daggy dad vibes. He kind of distanced himself from his religious views, um, which now that he has left, uh, it's much more interesting to see how strong yeah I know. um very prominent yeah so it kind of leaves the liberal party in this this spot where the moderates were the ones targeted by the teals targeted by labor and the ones who lost majority lost seats the conservatives in their safe conservative seats were never really that under a threat um and now the moderates are are killed right uh, the moderates were the party that tried to get through the, um, what was it called? The Energy Acts back under Malcolm Turnbull. So now you have Peter Dutton, very, very conservative, perhaps like very clearly like has always been the leader of the conservative wing, um, ex-Queensland cop, very intense dude. And there's no real internal uh, conflict against him. There's no one who can really rise against him. You know, you have maybe Susan Lay, Bridget Archer, of course you got... Scomo, um, Scomo, fucking Scomo, uh, Burmo, Simon Birmingham, 
But that is not a moderate. He's in the Senate. Exactly. What can he do? There's no moderate wing, really, to the Liberal Party. In mm. some ways, this, this might be good for Dutton in that he, he probably doesn't have a threat to him for quite a while. But in others, I don't think it's a winning electoral strategy, right? Because, you know, unless Labour fuck up massively and they somehow lose the next election, right? Um, which, sure, they might not make a majority, but they'll have to go into coalition with the Greens. It's going to be really hard for the Liberals to make back, you know, from 58 to 76 seats. Yeah, um, yeah. That's a big swing. That is a big swing. That's a huge, that's a gargantuan swing. I don't think that's going to happen in a first term. Um, well, at least you'd hope. Yeah, but so he, if he's going to stick with his conservative politics after there might be maybe six years of Labour governments implementing some kind of climate change implementation, all of these kind of mm. things, and then you're going to run on a conservative platform, in which case, you know, you will have kids who are now about 12 years old going through, coming out when they're 18. They are not going to respond to Dutton's political conservative message. Now, why he's, if he's there that long, who knows? Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not looking good for the Liberal Party. They're, they're, they have a hardcore, proper conservative party. And where does that lead to moderates? Mm-hmm. It means they go to teals. Like a, a moderate Liberal voter could just be a business owner. They could have mm-hmm. voted for the Libs for a long time, but they might want action on climate change. That pushes you to the teals because they're mostly ex- they're yeah. mostly ex-libs anyway. Um, Which is an interesting um, transition to make politically because then you're almost like, are we now then transitioning to a lot of independent candidates? Yeah. Well, like European style with multiple parties, all about coalitions. The Labour Party receiving about 33% of the vote is pretty indicative that the government now is uh, getting a relatively low amount of votes um yeah so labor received 32.6 percent of the vote and they actually had a swing against them (laughs) a slight swing a 0.8 swing against them um but yeah anyway it was an interesting election it's gonna be interesting to see the liberal party is going to go through a absolute internal bloodbath purge The, the 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 right wing the, the, the hardcore conservatives are in charge of the party and they will be for a while. Labour has to figure out what to do next. Um, it has the Greens, you know, 12% of the vote, 12.2% of the vote. That is a, that is a good chunk. That's a very good chunk. In the lower house. Like, they're, they're, they're in a good position. So whatever happens in Australian politics is going to have to look on the Labour Party, how they manage this period and how they avoid being lazy falling into conservative traps because if you're a conservative, mm. you're not going to vote for the Labour Party and you can vote for Yeah, absolutely. But yes. Shout out. Absolutely. Anthony Green did a great job. Um, oh, did you see on, um, was it Channel 9 or Channel 7, they had this weird, I don't know, it was like a robot playing like Away to Cuba and these people came out of this little machine and then they got tossed. The fuck are you talking about? I must confess. I must confess. I, as if I would have changed from ABC's coverage of the election. I didn't. I didn't even bother. So you could be right. You could have told me that Channel Nine found or concluded that the Liberals won the election. Would be nothing for me. But yeah. Anyway, great, great election, everyone. Uh, not as depressing as normal. Um, 
big plus. Still could be fucked, you know. Massive floods, rains, fires. It's all it's all coming uh, and happening. But uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully. But at least we have um, twelve seats who could uh, change that. Yeah. Well, look, let's let's just hope. Like the Greens with their their twelve Senate spots and their four in the House is really nice. Um, all of I know it's so satisfying. I, I feel like it was it was only yesterday when the Greens had their first lower house seat. What when Adam Pant won Melbourne or whatever back in Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know when that happened. That was iconic. You know what would be you know what would be iconic? You know it'd be so funny. Next election, the Greens take Greenlander from Albo. That would be amazing. I really don't think that would happen, but imagine imagine how fucking funny that would be oh my god <laughs> you know i will say this about albo looking good whatever makeover that oh, he's great he's looking nice he's looking he's looking he's looking healthy <laughs> he is no it's always nice when your prime minister's healthy okay <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Hey, look, I mean, look, he's just eating properly cooked chicken curry, unlike maybe... <laughs> um, I, I, I was speaking to someone the other day and they were saying how there were people saying Albo was like, oh, he's on holiday while the floods are happening. And I'm like... <laughs> in, Ukraine. in Ukraine, guys. I don't know how much holidaying he's having. It's a war zone. Oh, so funny. Oh man, what a beautiful, relaxing uh, <laughs> bomb craters in Kiev. Yeah, fuck. Some of the examples are so good. It's like, you know, actually contributing to international relations versus a family holiday. Yeah, like, yeah. At least rebuilding some relations with France and just anyway. Oh, fuck. Are we going to get submarines back, Jordan? I doubt it. Is Albo going to bring the submarines back to this great state? Yeah. Do you think we're starting? Well, this is a great question, Anthony. <laughs> what the fuck happens with the agreement, the Australia-US-UK agreement? Basically, we heard nothing really from ScoMo after he announced it. We just basically have his media release. There is no plan, no policy. What is going on with this new big defence treaty that Australia is part, like apparently part of? Like, is Albo, is Labor committed to it? Are they staying with it? What? I, I don't know. No idea. This is the thing. Politics is all very unclear since we've stopped having leaders who tweet about everything. I feel like I just, I just don't know what's going on anymore. God, do you think if Trump wins the next election, I don't think he will, but he would, he'll run. Well, if he's alive, mm. uh, if he wins, do you think Twitter will give him back his his account? Oh, that's such a good question. I'm not, presumably, he'd need to sign some sort of executive order. I, yeah, maybe. Nationalises Twitter. National <laughs> just just <laughs> deposed. He's going to put Mitch McConnell in charge of Twitter. Oh, God. Um, How good would that be? Horrifying. Dude. It'd be horrifying. I use no. Twitter. He's going to ban the turtle emoji. There's nothing wrong with That'd that. Be, that would, I don't know. Oh, God. Like, I just, I hope, I hope it all just disappears. I just, please, Trump, just stop. You're, you're just an old man. Just want to be normal. 
I don't know. But then again, how can you be more like Joe Biden is like, I just, I couldn't tell you anything he's really achieved. I know. It's just, uh, it's like, I'm sure he had, there have been like, certain infrastructure bills and, and policies, but is that major stuff? Is that enough to like keep the Dems in majority in the midterms in like the house? Oh, fucking no, of course. <laughs> this is the thing. If Donald Trump has taught us anything, politics is real go big or go home vibes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just absolute, yeah. Particularly now. We're, not, we're no longer in an era where in the style of John Howard and, as you said so eloquently several episodes ago, just put the country in drift. Yeah. This isn't something that works anymore. You go big or go home. Boris got the UK oh, out of man. the EU. Yeah. Fucking stupid idea, but it was a big idea and he ended up in power. He did. He did. This is what we need to do. Every, every leader from now on or every party from now on, just think of something fucking ridiculous and actually do it. And you'll probably get in power. It needs to be, you just, I feel like you just need, you need like one thing. Like, okay. Yeah. For Boris, it was Brexit. Brexit's done. Bye, Boris. See you later, homie. Uh, Perfect. This is perfect, though, Jordan. We're just, instead of having, like, you know, three-year or nine-year terms, I reckon we could address this. You just have fucking one-year terms. They go in, one do issue. one big thing, and then move on. Yeah, it's like, it's like you know those single-issue parties, like, and farmers <laughs> or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Well now, well, now I have to fucking vote for the single-issue parties because of all the numbers I have to put above the yeah, line. It, oh, God, that was interesting. Like, you had... <laughs> I have to be honest. I think the AEC, like the Australian Electoral Commission, needs to do some education on parties, right? Because if you um, have to vote, yeah. like have to select certain parties, and there's like the future party, there's you know the local party. Uh, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm gonna have to Google, like take out my phone to Google what they are to make sure I'm not voting for someone who's like, oh yeah, I want to fucking ban dogs. I'm going to fucking make sure all dogs are banned from this country. I'm, like, I'm probably not going to vote for that. Exactly. Uh, exactly. The Senate is just fucked. It's, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. You know, and then you have to, like Nick Xenophon not getting his uh, like party vote, like his name, uh, like his um, submission for his name for the Senate spot in, in like the, the due date. So he's just like group O. Nick Xenophon, a man who a few years ago was seen as the kingmaker in South Australia. Um, oh, good times. Good times. I can't, believe he, I can't believe he came back. I can't believe he's like, yeah, one more run at it. People love Xenophon. Let's give it a go. He fucking trusts it. He wants to be. Being in politics is what he actually wants to do. But he fucked up because he got, his head got too big and he thought that he could create another party. If he just stuck with his independent vibes, the people of South Australia fucking frosted him. I think if he had... They love that, man. Like if he had... I think if he had made a deal with Rhett's Patrick and the Centre Alliance, who, of course, also lost, um, because their vote was split by Nick Zanathar, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they could have made a deal. Nick would have had to put himself second. Rhett's Patrick would have had to be first. But uh, he, he could have had a shot. Now what does he do? Now he just goes back to being his like little, his being a like um, I don't know. He's a lawyer. But what what does he what does he practice again? Fuck, I don't know. He's some like civil lawyer. Nah, he doesn't do criminal law. He probably does like I don't know contracts or something real fucking boring. 
That could be you, Anthony. That could be your future. It could be. I could be Nick Xenophon. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Nick Xenophon. I've got my, my one massive idea that I'd put in place if I was in power. What would it be? The power parts in South Australia. Nuclear. It's fucking perfect. It's just, I have a plan to bankrupt the state. <laughs> Me? Yeah, do it. Yeah, well, yeah. No, well, if you put it that way. Oh. Um, yeah, it's actually, that's that interesting. So the Liberals coming out with their, you know, this is not very genuine because Australians do not want nuclear power, like, on average. And look, we've discussed this before. Maybe that's the wrong opinion. But that's not I'm going to bring it up every episode. <laughs> they just... We, we can't afford... Anthony, we can't afford it. The people oh, don't know it? what they want, John. I know what the people want. <laughs> You're just like, I'm building one in my backyard. No one can stop me. I'm a sovereign citizen. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah. Like the little, like the mini nuclear power plants that there's like, you know, oh, we'll do the, the Czech nuclear power plant, the like uh, flexible small reactors. They don't exist. There's one. It's in a truck in China. They built one as an example and they never made another. I'm telling you, nuclear is dead. Pick a new energy. But become a geothermal guy. Become a geothermal guy. <laughs> oh, fuck geothermal. That'd be pretty That'd be cool. It's a big hole in the ground. That's one of the... Yeah, that's one of the coolest powers. I yeah, think. geothermal. Good name as well. That, we're geothermal. Yeah, geothermal man. This is a pro geothermal podcast now. <laughs> Friendship ended with nuclear. Geothermal is my best friend. What do you think about geothermal, Harry? Hey, you a fan of geothermal power? That's right, Harry. He's a, it sounds like he's a he's a, a snowy. He's a hydro he's man. Snowy hydro kind of a. Kind of a he's Snow Hydro 3.0, Harry? Question mark? <laughs> no, we'll skip straight to four. <laughs> just skip. Just, we don't need any. Just, there's enough. Every house has a Snowy Hydro scheme. Every Australian. That's your big issue. More Snowy Hydro. Every Australian. Oh, that's really funny. Like Australian politics is one of the funniest topics that we have, <laughs> funniest recurring topics we have. I think it's because other, you know, like we talk about, you know, abortion, which is such a, a personal one and it's like a real issue. But Australian politics is so ridiculous with all of these yeah. incompetent characters in it. It just can't help but laugh at just, just how ridiculous it is and how ridiculous it's always been and how ridiculous it will always be, ladies and gentlemen. So fucking true. So fucking true. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Mm. No, that's been that's been beautiful. That's been beautiful. It's been a great podcast. It has been a good one, actually. I'm glad that we finished on this light note. This light note of because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise we're still be talking about the current stuff. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, we actually yeah, we started on the heavy stuff and we ended on Geothermal power. So good. Fuck, I'm now team geothermal. Are, this is like fuck, fuck nuclear, Jordan. Fuck geothermal all the way. Holes in the ground. That's like so good. When you go to the beach and you and your boys like dig a huge hole in the sand, You're, you are contributing to the <laughs> sustainable energy. That's grid. right. Whole powered technology. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. All right. So good. Amazing. What a great podcast, Jordan. Is there any – my only final comment. Yeah. Uh, do you have any Jennifer Porter-related updates? Jennifer Porter? Who the – oh, Jennifer Porter. I do not. Uh, your husband is a – Jordan. Sorry. I forgot about her. Um, let's have a Google. Where is Jennifer Porter at? Because absolutely fuck her rapist, awful husband. Uh, absolutely. Oh, did she change her name? Fucking hope so. See, this is the thing, John. I listen to the podcast so regularly that I'm now making references from, like, what I think are, you know, two episodes yeah, ago, but are actually, now. like, six-month-old references. <laughs> Have you re-listened to some of the podcasts? Yeah, she, uh, she's, yeah, yeah. she's Ms. Jennifer Negus now. Negus. Negus. That's a good name. I think it was, that, was the, that was the ancient name of the, the Negus was the, the emperor of Ethiopia, I think. What a, that's a very niche reference, Jordan. I'm a very niche kind of guy. Yes. Yeah. The Negus was the title of the Ethiopian <laughs> Semitic language denotes a monarch, such as Negus. As first date topics go, Jordan, that is quite incredible. I know, right? Uh, it, is also a, it is also a hot drink of port, sugar, lemon, and spice. So if you want to try that, shout out. Try that. I wonder... Try yourself a negus. A negus. Oh, God, I just realized it doesn't sound, uh, just to be clear, yeah, it does not sound good. I was going to say, uh, uh, my next just one. when I heard that, I'm like, hmm. Anyway. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you on this fine Saturday afternoon. It is a fine Saturday afternoon. It's actually quite nice. The uh, the winter solstice has passed. Every day is a few minutes longer. Spring is coming. Oh, a few minutes longer. So, so good. It's been cold. You need to make the most of those extra minutes. Me too. I love an extra few minutes. Uh, so to, to, I don't know, spiral into whatever, insanity. Closer and closer towards the heat death of the universe. Oh, bro, heat death, that could be a great renewable energy. It's fucking nice. <laughs> We're going to tap into the heat death of the universe. <laughs> I, you know what, actually? Sorry, tangent. The James Webb telescope photos? Oh, so, so good. good. Excellent. I know. Um, amazing. Fucking space is very amazing. Like how voyages like malfunctioning and all this random fucking data that's coming back, still telling a shit about the outer reaches of space. It's so interesting. It's, it's so it's just it's just amazing to me that all of like we're so insignificant. Like I could spend my life thinking about outer space and stuff, but I have to spend it thinking about I don't know Scott Morrison and his courage. Like I don't know. It was it was yes. pretty awesome. It does make me think that like. You know, James Webb Telescope gets up and then, you know, everyone's like, wow, it's amazing. You know what? Hubble Telescope, if you're listening, you did a great job. Yeah, shout out to Hubble. Shout out to the Hubble Telescope. Oh, that's actually my favourite. <laughs> I prefer Hubble over James I Webb. I like the, yeah, it's like 
quality of its photos are worse. It's vintage. But I think it's it's vintage. Um, it's like when you listen to an album on vinyl, and it's just it's the aesthetic of it that, <laughs> that that adds to it. I actually prefer the the Hubble telescope photos. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. We're going to end it here. Lots of love. We will. It's been a pleasure. Till next time. It's been a pleasure. Till Til the Supreme Court makes another judgment. Yeah, God. And hey, not as long this time. A slightly closer together podcast. Yeah, true that. So good. See, told you it would be easier with babies. That's right. Well, now that they're older. No dramas. Yeah, fuck yeah. Hopefully we'll have some more substantive contributions. Craig, help. <laughs> I don't know how to end this. How does he leave? Craig. <laughs> slash leave. I need to do the slash. That's right, the slash. Tell me, Craig. Stop. Slash stop. I did stop. Jesus. <laughs> that was the loudest stop I've ever. Stop. <laughs>